Ready? Three, two, one, and go. Introduce us. Yes, I will. So, hey, everyone. <laughs> um, the, the pause, by the way, is for the intro graphic to be playing, even though we. Oh, can't I'm it. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Why else do you think I was making those loud slurping noises with the coffee? Like, literally, right when I knew it would not be picked up, of course. But anyway, so. For us, hey everyone, happy Friday. Welcome to the Digital Cash Rundown. I'm joined by the one and only, or at least that matters, Jared Woodard. How's it going, man? It goes wonderfully. Getting to spend some great time with it, have some great conversation. Absolutely. Always appreciate you on the show. Uh, it's going to be a good one today, for sure. I'm just predicting it, putting it out there, right? Law of Attraction and all that. One time, uh, this is the show. If you... Feel free to leave comments in the live chats and stuff. If you're in my Discord, which I know Jared is, and by the way, if you come on the show, you get an NFT that gets you in there. Um, yeah, you can leave comments in the Digital Cash Rundown channel, and they will be read out. Everyone else gets kind of like sloppy seconds or whatever. You know, it's like, well, if I really, <laughs> if I really like, you know, if I really like what you're saying, I'll, I'll put it up on the screen. But you know, not necessarily. So, um, most of probably what we're going to talk about today is crypto and crypto governance stuff. But first, got to hit the, the headlines that, that bring all the, the people to the yard. Um, it's lawsuit time, boys and girls. Here we go. So Gemini files lawsuit against Digital Currency Group and Barry Silbert over Genesis and Earn program. All right. So first of all, have you been following this, this mess of a drama over the last few months? It just showed up on my radar today, and I read like a, a quick blurb on it. Um, it just like it like you called it. It just seems like old crypto. It's it's worse because it's crypto mixed with finance, like old finance drama, mm-hmm. and 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 like the old like three arrows capital falling and taking so many out with it. And where was your due diligence? It's like oh, Lord. And I know. can't. I mean, and apologies for being so like, but like. Wasn't it um, wasn't it FTX that sunk them, or did they sink FTX? I don't remember. Oh, they all sunk themselves. They all yeah. own. No, they made their choices, and they didn't do the due diligence. They didn't like. They were supposed to have. We're supposed to have figured out finance by now about who you could trust and why, and all these these good things. These people were taking obscene risks, and they made their bed to get the lion. And 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 that goes down to it goes down to the individuals who chose to invest in these institutions that were didn't have integrity. They were, weren't there for the long run. That's, you know, that, that's what happens when you make an investment. It can go down. And it's, it's up to you as an individual to qualify who you're doing business with. You're the one, though no one's coming to save you, you're the one who gets to live with it in the end. Yeah, of course. And it, it's been kind of um, insane to see just like, because Digital Currency Group, was there were always the suits and people always like kind of resented them for being the suits, I think, but mm-hmm. they were the suits that like over the years, it's always been, you know, Coinbase and then DCG's portfolio has always been like the, the blessed by the industry captains. And there's other weird, like sketchy shit coins that are listed only on Binance that go up and then down and up and down. And it's like, these are the ones that like, these are the captains of industry that kind of make it through the cycles and act all polished and, you know, have like a suit and tie and like all this kind of stuff. And it's yeah. like, and it's just, and then they're, they always have this like nice austere public persona mm-hmm. until now, until it finally, this last cycle, they got in over the head with some things. And then now they're acting like the same old, like petty scammers, like Celsius and other people like that. Like there's this, this like very disappointing vibe. It's just kind of like that, like perfect, Absolutely. Like the perfect couple that you know, and like they start to like publicly fight and stuff, and you're just or they're going through a public messy breakup. You're like, not you guys. Like you guys were the <laughs> like you guys were like the quiet ones who didn't party and like didn't get into all the drama. Now you're doing. It's no, they just a did a good. They just did a good job of fighting it. Exactly. Um, and, and, and the institutions within could have changed over the years. One of the big long-term crypto institutions whose reputation was completely destroyed, in my opinion, through all of this. It was a blockchain. Remember blockchain.info? Yeah, that was my very first crypto wallet. Delightful back in the day. Used it in 2014. Mm -hmm. And 
um, they were late into the game to get into creating an exchange and all that stuff and developing, and, and they did uh, eventually, and then got just decided, like, just chased the money completely. Uh, mm -hmm. like, and when you're at that point where you're like, oh, we're so far behind, now we've got to start doing what Coinbase was doing because we missed out, it's like, ah, pause and reflect. I totally get, like, make up where you're lacking, but anyways, anyways, like, long story short, similar thing for them like they got involved with Rose capital and it caused them massive you know problems with, with all this came out and to me that was just like all right cool that in any rational market that should be the end of your reputation like yeah. like like you've got a long way to come and you have to acknowledge this stuff like come out publicly like this is we messed up in this incredible mm -hmm. way here's how we messed up here's what we're doing about it and so it's just but the standard that status quo these days is is not mm -hmm. much responsibility and accountability. So it, people probably won't <laughs> hold yeah. them that accountable. Absolutely. Well, let's dive into a little bit of the the lawsuit type thing or like the the tweet. So I had this stuff from good old Cameron Winklevoss. Um, mm -hmm. He posted. He said today, Gemini filed a lawsuit. Barry was not only the architect and mastermind behind DCG and Genesis fraud against creditors. He's directly and personally involved in perpetrating it. So they're suing not only Digital Currency Group for basically not paying when their, I guess their subsidiary, uh, Genesis, went went belly up, right? Then mm -hmm. they, got, they got exposed to the, the three hours capital and they, got, they lost a bunch of money. He's not only saying that, but he's saying that Barry Silbert himself, who's you know founded DCG, He's personally responsible, so they're suing both of those, which is kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of funny because all this Twitter stuff is clearly theater. All this open letter stuff is clearly theater, mm -hmm. but it's very telling. Like, anyway, let, let me just get through a little bit of this. this complaint, blah yeah, blah yeah. blah. Says Barry claimed that Genesis faced only a timing issue, a lie that he had the gaping hole in Genesis' balance sheet. He talks about when three hours of capital collapse they blew a huge hole in the balance sheet instead of coming clean genesis claimed everything was business as usual because dcg has stepped in to absorb the losses but what they really did according to cameron is written some weird 10-year promissory note and counted that as like oh look see they're they're whole because we promised to give them a bunch of money over 10 mm -hmm. years and something nah, they'll, they'll they'll be fine and so now they're, they're he's claiming that they created false financial reports and stuff like that um and yeah, basically now the whole now um, Genesis creditors can't get anything. And so he says mm -hmm. the, this fraud goes to the very top. Barry Silbert and other DCG executives were directly involved in these lies, and they lied again and again to conceal the truth from Gemini and other creditors. And then blah blah blah. He just talks about more of this stuff, and he just says that DC and Barry personally are direct participants in the fraud, and that's why he's holding them accountable or whatever. Now. DCG had some like very, they almost haven't said anything, but they just had a little mm -hmm. statement which just says, this is yet another publicity stunt from Cameron Winklevoss to deflect blame and responsibility, blah, blah, blah. He says, you know, it's all baseless, defamatory, and false, and but it doesn't address, as usual, it doesn't address any of the things that are actually being said. So yeah. uh, I guess all I'll say before I ask Seem what you think on this is it's clear, one thing that's clear is that uh, DCG is in the position of power of of the situation right now because uh, the Winklevoss twins are trying to get them to do something, whereas you know they're they're really wanting them to do something. And the other thing is um, the Winklevoss twins seem to think that the court of public opinion, and now obviously the court of court, <laughs> the court of law, uh, favor them because they're. They're being very chatty. They're being very free with what they're saying. Whereas DCG is saying not much. They're just being... So what do you make of the dynamic, the situation? Because I'm not picking... I'm definitely not picking yeah. sides or or who's the angel or devil in this, this thing at all. But clearly there's okay. a little bit of an asymmetry in the side of things. So I'm a little bit conflicted in the sense... And one side, I'm like... Um, this is what you get. You both, you all deserve each other. Uh, mm -hmm. You, you, you play this because Jim and I like got started in New York. Uh, and to me, New York is just such a hellscape legally that <laughs> legally, it, it, 
Why legally, that caveat? How about it just well, is? <laughs> in well, specifically, but also more, uh, it, it, it's it is anti-crypto. It is all anti-liberty, uh, the opposite of all these things. And so for Jim and I to be home based there, it's like, okay, you're telling me about the company you keep and the jurisdiction you're fine enabling yeah. and supporting through the taxes you pay and all that, or the taxes you surrender and all that stuff. So it's like, all right, cool. Now you're having finance 1.0 drama and th th you get what you deserve. So I'm, th so there's that side of me. There's also a side of me that's like, look, um, this is, you know, of course, the practical, this is the world we live in. And, you know, th these people who live in that world and, and participate in the other and, and can help bring us to this better world, you know, they're providing a service. Um, it's like, yeah, sure, you don't have to do it in San Francisco. You don't have to do it in New York. New York. You don't have to do it in these places and support and develop and, and you know, mm -hmm. increase the, their what they can do financially and, and the way they can tyrannize the world by adding money to their economy. You don't have to do it in those locations. You could go to New Hampshire. Yeah. You could go to, to Wyoming. There's plenty of other places you could be doing this stuff. You do not have to support the beast. Um, yeah. It's definitely like... They've definitely picked New York, obviously, for old school financial reasons, not for crypto tech innovation reasons. Sure. And I mean, obviously, based on where you, if you want access to all the legacy financial system, you, New York is advantageous. If you want access to all the Silicon Valley VC stuff, San Francisco is advantageous. If you mm -hmm. want to just trailblaze from scratch, which is a lot harder, but a lot mm -hmm. more like free than you pick somewhere else, right? So it's it's very clear where they're, you know, what they try to do. Um, well, and I want yeah, to make a caveat too, is what like the early people, the early Bitcoiners, like 2013, 20, people just getting crypto established and off the ground at all. I'm not critical of them doing that in places like that to get it noticed. Get it. But when you're establishing a big exchange and you're, and I, I don't know the exact history of it, but I think uh, Jim and I was was one of those like we're pro regulation, you know. You're like, eh, okay, I, I get people having to do that now. You didn't so much back then, and it didn't do you any good in the year into the in the intervening years. It only did work. It only did harm. Yeah, but so on this specific case, on the specific dispute over the um, the Genesis creditors, or uh, first of all, um, all parties involved, in my opinion. My in this case, uneducated opinion, but were seemed to me to be operating a risky financial scheme, right? As in, and they just they wanted money, which I don't fault anyone for wanting money, right? That's just the way the world works. But the lengths to which they were willing to go, like I think they just assumed, like they they to so they got all these, they wanted more money, so they took all these depositors' money. And then put them into something. So, oh, like, we'll, we'll give you interest on this. We just like want your money so we can make even more money. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, buyer beware, obviously, to a certain extent. But like, also, mm -hmm. the average crypto person just like on their trusted Gemini exchange that has like regulated, trusted like billboards all over New York City. Like, they're mm -hmm. super strong in the messaging. I think it's a reasonable assumption for a, a, a lay person to think. Oh, these guys are, it's like a bank. It's like a trusted New York financial institution. I can, whatever they're promising me, promising me is legit, which doesn't completely absolve buyer beware, of course. But then again, I say don't deposit your money in banks at all, but that's my level of buyer beware. I, I'm totally on the side of you get what you deserve. Mm -hmm. you, you're, you're not in, you weren't in, into the crypto to care enough. To, like that should have been a red flag. Well-regulated. Oh, Government approved. Yeah. Like it should have been, that should have been a red flag. But you don't have those. They didn't have those core values. These are the same people voting to take away our rights or to have people point guns at us. And so that's that. This is an argument for uh, the practical value in finding virtue and finding like morality and those things because it'll help you avoid these things. You'll look at stuff like that and you'll say, "Whoa, that's a red flag." I'm going to, at the very mm -hmm. least, be skeptical of that. Yeah, so, I would say that. But so but to me, it's like okay, you play with these things, you play with these pirates, you get what you deserve. You know that. Yeah. So you know? I would sort of equate that to when I I got a little bit of UST back in the day, and mm -hmm. 
it, that was like I kind of understood the mechanism. I understood how it worked. I was I was not in a position where I was like I was too skeptical to actually do any to actually get into yeah. participate in Luna. However, a lot of people I knew and trusted were like really hyped on. They're like, and I'm like, well. I got. I'm already diversifying a little bit into some stable coins at the top of this bear market, a bull market, I yeah. should say. Rather than have it all in BUSD, which is, as it turns out, later ended up having you know regulatory issues. And, but that, I mean, I got rid of mine way, way before that. But I'm like, well, I'll just yeah. put some of that into USD. It can't be that much of a harm. And then you know, it it went, it crashed. I think I sold. I mean, I didn't. I had like very little in it, right? Let's be very clear about that. I had very little mm-hmm. in it, and it went down. I got like twenty cents on the dollar back when I sold it. So it's like I lost. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, whatever. And like most of that was staking rewards from staking the BUSD anyway. So it's just more like I, you know, it. I'm not complaining, but the point is, um, I did something that wasn't in my best education to do. Like I, and I got burned for it. I guess. And I accept that. It's like buyer beware. I didn't okay, beware. I'm not necessarily critical yeah. of that. Like we're, we're gonna yeah. like yep, amounts. It's it's what expectation you have, and whenever it whenever the consequences arrive, do you play victim or do you yeah. accept responsibility? And you're like, oh yeah, I knew I was I was juggling this amount of finance, this money here, and that's what happens when you take yeah. that risk. Same thing when you play with these old systems or when you play with like. You know, big thumbs up. We're well regulated. You know, yeah. It's like, look, so, look at okay. Look at all the banks. Uh, the recently, all all the headache and stuff there. That's supposed to be all this big careful. Right. Look at how many times have the fiat currencies of, of states been wiped out, destroyed? Uh, sorry, we've got to rebalance everything. You know, a million dollars is now worth a thousand dollars, or what? You're getting a thousand Liberty coins. Like this is goes back to the dawn of time. If someone doesn't have that message, you know. yeah, resource management is pretty brutal if you think about it. But uh, it's still like the average creditor. I mean, there's a little bit of buyer beware. I tend to be mm-hmm. more on the sympathetic side of like, well, the banking system. Like for people like us who know about banking, like that's very different. For normies mm-hmm. who just think that because you're required to have a bank account to anything. In fact, in Europe, from my understanding. You lit- it's your form of KYC. Your form of KYC to even get a job. Like literally, you cannot work without a bank account and so it's like well that's Mm -hmm. like a trusted institution uh so i have a little more sympathy towards the the basic you know the credit the the creditors right the basic the depositors now what i don't have Mm -hmm. sympathy towards are the league of lost twins or silver because they are be they know everything well actually i don't know we've got we've got this this history in society of like we hold rich people way more responsible or, or people they're supposed to be higher, like private insti- people of authority in some way, shape or form, way more responsible than individuals. And like, they're supposed to be like the downtrodden and oppressed. It's like, it, when's the last time you saw someone empathize with like rich people? They are the yeah. last people to get any no, empathy. I, I empathize <laughs> with rich people. It's so like, for example, with like Coinbase and Binance and stuff being sued by the SEC, in mm-hmm. from my perspective, 100% empathy there. Like. I don't care if they're mm-hmm. ba- like they shouldn't be targeted. That's fine. I don't care if they're rich. I don't care if they did some other sketchy things other times. Mm-hmm. I don't care. In that case, the thing is the the Winklevoss twins knew the product that they're offering. They knew mm-hmm. that it was guaranteed by some highly risky financial things mm-hmm. and they they kind of leaned on their buddies DCG to be like, "Well, they know what they're doing and if a giant hole gets blown into this, They'll find a way to make it whole for us, and they—I think they—they they falsely assumed that their buddy Barry would actually come through, rather than just be completely uh, self-interested. Well, I mean, everyone's self-interested, I should say, be completely like, you know. I, I think mo- most likely, and this is like my wild speculation. Mm-hmm. Someone like Barry, these bit like thought they thought this stuff would fly out. They thought three years capital. They didn't do their due diligence and all that stuff. They took risks because they as well. We're in an area where maybe they don't, they know that they don't know up to a certain point. And I apply that to the same degree to the individuals, the individual creditors, the people that get involved. They may, we could say like they're they're in the state of, of ignorance and so they're innocent, but no, they know that they don't know. 
and that's on them. So, and they're taking that much risk. And look, when you when you take that risk, part of the, part of what comes with that is the downside. And so, like, I I, I have some sympathy that it didn't play out well, but I but it doesn't help them not make these choices in the future if they don't learn to take responsibility for themselves and what they did in there. What's going to happen is a lot of people get burned in that in situations like that and turn around and say, "We need more state. We need more regulation." You know, and yeah. But so it it's kind of funny, like the um, from what I'm able to tell, it seems like every all the objections against DCG seem to be accurate, right? They seem mm-hmm. or they seem to be real, and the fact that mm-hmm. they're putting it out there so publicly means they're not afraid of being called on lies in the future. It means that they're like, yeah, we we're pretty sure that this will all hold up. And it's not going to be mm-hmm. used against us in a court of law because where they've actually gone to a court of law now. Like, it se- <laughs> yeah. they seem to be there. But the, the parts that they haven't said or maybe whatever is, yes, the their own responsibility. So my, when talking about risk, right, I don't necessarily yeah. fault either of those two parties that were better with each other for taking risk. The thing is, mm-hmm. you only you take risk you can manage. And so if you take a really risky investment, like everything I put in stable coins was stuff that I was ready to lose. Everything I have in yeah. crypto, like the value, the valuation, I pay whatever I need to now. So if the price goes in the shitter, I still like I, I understand the risk, but I'm I'm able to absorb the risk. Is the point? Well, it's fair to say you're an expert on this, dude. You've been, no, say, you, I, you've I, got I, more than ten thousand hours of living crypto. You're an expert. On I should say <laughs> I I have expert level time in that but as far as like intentional time, like i just i do it unthinkingly right it's not like i think about my risk very like a lot of people are much more you're, you're making the that. case to me even more well, <laughs> i guess the you're point the expert is like on living on crypto yeah <laughs> yes i guess the point is like even when i do things like for example um i train jiu-jitsu and mm-hmm. sometimes you get injured. Not, thankfully, I've gotten very few injuries. You know, just a couple of nagging things here and there that are mostly fine. I've gotten almost mm-hmm. nothing in my several years of doing it. But one of the reasons why I do that instead of like Muay Thai is if I did Muay Thai kickboxing, there's a very real chance of getting uh, like brain injuries, like getting hit, getting knocked out, getting that. And that's yeah. a risk that, especially in competition, I, I where you're trying to knock each other out, I yeah. don't feel comfortable with, right? I do yeah. feel comfortable with like the worst thing that happens. I go to a jiu-jitsu tournament and someone chokes me until I pass out and they just like shake my feet and I wake up later. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Or they crank and like I, I get like a broken arm. And I got to like fix that. Like that's, I'm okay with that level of risk because even though mm-hmm. it's small, very small, it's yeah. still like, what if this happens? I get something broken. Like, oh, I like I'm okay with broken that risk. arm is a different world to like damaged mine. <laughs> yeah, to like to something like permanent and like yeah. oh yeah, your arm never straightens the same or something. Well, and, and a blow to head can change but your personality, person. make you more violent. Yeah. Dude. And so the thing about the managed risk, uh, neither side. I think that both sides, both these parties, should have been prepared to absorb this risk. And neither, like, to absorb, like, with the risk taken, to absorb the whole. And mm-hmm. neither of them wants to claim responsibility for the whole. It's both, it's, I, I again, yeah. I'm not a lawyer, right? I personally believe it's on both of them. It's the, the Winklevoss twins, they got, Gen, uh, Gemini got in bed with Genesis. They used mm-hmm. them for their lending program. They marketed mm-hmm. it. They got the consumers. They have a responsibility to mm-hmm. those consumers, in my opinion, for the mm-hmm. risk that they did. And also, you know, DCG and Genesis, if they, if one of their entities has a hole blown in them, they should make that hole. They should pay their debts, too. And neither side wants to pay their debts, and they're both kind of grandstanding on, like, no, you fix it. No, you fix it. And that's where the business relationship that I'm sure was very good for many years is gone to nothing because they assumed the other would have their back in this mutual risk thing, but instead no one has nobody's back. <laughs> yeah. That's just another way of being careless. Another word for carelessness. Yes. When I assume. And yes. socially careless. And, and I would say, I don't know the facts and the details of their particular situation. I mean, now to me, there's three parties. There's Genesis, there's uh, GCD. I'm sorry. There, there's the Wingleboss twins, there's Barry Silbert, their teams. And then there's the individual consumers. 
and all share in some amount of responsibility. And the degree to which either of the institutions were committing fraud, yes, the, the consumers should be compensated for that. Mm-hmm. The degree to which they were not, and it was just bad risk, you know, and, and, and things turned out, unfortunately, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The consumers should not be made whole for that. That's part of the mm-hmm. risk they were taking. So that's to me the way, way it should play out. And I'm curious about where we call, and this is an, a, a question I don't, re- I don't know the answer to, like where we, where, what's the line between it's fraud or it's not? Because if you come to me and you make this claim that's not possible, like financial return wise, and I naively buy into that, uh, you give the example like, you know, um, yeah, I, I've got this bag of rocks. I'm going to turn around and, you know, I'm, we're selling them for a million dollars and blah, blah, blah. It, that's there's that's so wild. Yes, that is like technically fraud, but it's so wild of it being a possibility of a thing that it's like, how could you get involved with that? I, I don't know where to draw that line of like you should be smart enough. If you if you claim the right to sign a contract you got to have X amount of responsibility and intelligence to, to, to do these mm-hmm. things. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about those lines, you know, and, no, and, the and thing that is, would help regulate. Sorry, go ahead. The thing is, and I just, this may be a greater commentary on like the consumer market in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like a lot of the fine print that they make you read like terms, mm-hmm. a lot of it is too fine, but in general, of, course. of, of everything it just like the bare minimum to hold up in court but like there are a few just my note like for example um like the like fdic insured right mm-hmm. people think that anything that has like we have a, an account they mm-hmm. assume that a lot of times it's also fdic insured now a lot of first off and people don't even know what the limits of that insurance are et cetera et cetera but that's a different story that would be another hour long podcast but like <laughs> yeah. as far as the the actual like for example a lot of um I think it was like Voyager or something it was one of those crypto exchanges that went kaput um had phrased something to basically lead consumers to believe that their deposits were FDIC insured when they weren't. I can't remember that. And that's that in my view is like actual fraud, but like also, Mm -hmm. um, for example, strike, you know, the lightning, the laser ed maxi coin, basically Coinbase for, it's not a Coinbase front end, but it's Mm basically, basically it's like Coinbase with one coin. Um, anyway, uh, they had to switch their custodian crashed in the last few weeks or a few months or whatever it was. And they had to switch custodians. Same thing with Swan Bitcoin. Again, another mm-hmm. Coinbase front end, but not literally, again, not literally. I'm just being funny. Uh, they had to switch it, but strike as far as they know is now custodying their own f- customers funds. Like they're doing the custody themselves. And from my understanding, they were using a license, a registered custodian before meaning that, that was customer deposits were Safu, right? They were actually customer deposits were customer deposits. Yeah. Now, it, so in the course, in the case of like a bankruptcy or whatever, you have to give them back to the customers. Whereas now that Strike is doing it themselves and they're not a licensed custodian, as far as I'm aware, that means that any Strike customer, Strike owns all the customer's funds now. So if Strike goes kaput, all the consumers just lose their money. And I don't think. And again, this is legally from my understanding, but I don't think any or more than like 12 strike customers have any idea that now their money is not even their money really. Like could literally, I don't think they know that. And that, that's, that's yeah, but, horrible. But, how, but that's on them as individuals. Yeah. That, to me, that's, that's, that's definitely on them as individuals. You, you got, I'm sorry, like. It yeah. is a hazard to me if there's people that are that careless about themselves in society and then having negative consequences for the risks they take is, is an incentive to wise up and, and take ownership, personal ownership and responsibility. The market solves this problem if we leave it alone. Yes. I mean, I agree. Absolutely. <laughs> in principle, I agree. Absolutely. In practice, I agree very strongly but not absolutely the only reason it's not absolute in practice is because we don't live in that environment we live in an environment where not where it's super regulated as far as who can get into the space and kind of mm-hmm. act mm-hmm. and 
there's an expectation. There's again, there's promises through like the forty percent of everything you make that gets stolen from you. <laughs> there's laws and regulations that so and so basically I, what I would say is for a libertarian. It's definitely mm-hmm. buyer beware, right? No, 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 we can't do that world. We can't <laughs> okay. do that world. No, no, a libertarian has to put up with a lot of grief. Mm-hmm. And, and the degree to which they're they're consistent with that libertarianism or, or moral philosophy and those kinds of things, they have to put up a lot of that. We don't give them, they're not going to put them for more responsibility, the ones who have taken on this burden of helping the BS in the world. Mm. Well, what, what I'm saying is... Uh, People who know who don't agree with the state existing uh, are definitely they're definitely buyers who are beware, if you know what I'm saying. Whereas the other people who still yeah. believe the government's still there to protect them and protect their deposits and things like that, I give them a little bit of a sympathy pass for like not being not being red pilled until that until they lose. No, no all not, their not stuff, me, because to know? me, being wiser is the is mm. the reward of putting up with all that grief. And these other people chose not to be wise or not to pursue wisdom, not to pursue these kinds of, not to pursue morality about like, is this really good and evil? Is this really theft? Is this really like, what am I doing to other people? Is is this really slit? They don't care to ask the question or pursue that. And this is the consequence. It's like, okay. So to me, like, this is just the universe being just. There is, there is a reward to being virtuous and pursuing wisdom, self-knowledge, morality, those kinds of things. And that's great. Like that's that's a white pill about life in the universe, you know, and there are negative consequences to not avoid, to, to not pursuing those things, and this is some of that, in my opinion. That's the way the way I look at it. And then mm-hmm. I don't want to get like the, the people who are taking the burden of making the world a better place. I also mm-hmm. don't want to give them the burden of a higher level of accountability. It's like no, no, no. If you choose to live as a sheep, you are subject to the flotsam and jotsam of the waves. You know, yeah. that's that that's what happens. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's one thing we'll definitely agree on is the more accountability and you know personal responsibility on everything people could be kind of encouraged into the better. And I do think that yeah. uh, I do think that um, the kind of the consumer protection ideas, whether that's through a government or whether that's just through third parties that certify things and stuff like that, I definitely mm-hmm. think that that is that needs to be very much secondary to like people figuring out on their own what works and what doesn't and taking personal responsibility for that. That's definitely something I think will improve society if you, and also decrease the burden on like these systems. I mean, some of them I don't want to exist to begin with, but even the ones I do want to be, I think the the burden is on that too much to like, well, you should tell everyone what's safe to invest in. It's like, eh. Yeah. Well, okay, so now I have compassion for the for where people are just they're they 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 live in this world and they're surrounded by all of this messaging and stuff and and yeah so you can you can it is quite possibly in the in this world of uh, like you just you're indoctrinated into it and you're ingrained in it but who hasn't I find it very rare to come across people who haven't come across. Mm-hmm. Like some libertarian arguments and things like that. And then, it, it, and so it is, there are also people in that realm. I can have compassion for the fact that people were raised in this Plato's cave and they're, they're conditioned into it. But there's also, like, now more than ever, and with, you know, with the internet and people being able to communicate, and, and like fewer and fewer people have, have ever actually heard these arguments, you know. So, right. so, and now, and also, um, Oh man, I lost my train of thought. Ah. Okay, perfect time to lose a train of thought because we yeah. got to hit on governance. So, yes. uh, just open-ended governance type stuff. But um, I, I will hit on this one. So, just because I like to have things on the screen to like change subjects, um, mm-hmm. I got a few of like Justin Bond's tweets. Hi, Justin. Uh, <laughs> I put a few of his tweets on the screen because he's talked. He's harped about. He's probably one of the more public crypto figures who's harped on this the most. So. I'll put that. So in this one, he says he has a, a um, pie chart of the implementation of nodes for Bitcoin. And it's almost all Bitcoin core, right? And he says, BTC's governance is effectively centralized under Bitcoin core. There is one lead maintainer who has the final say, making it a dictatorship. Like all dictatorships, there are limits to what they can get away with. However, this is still a total perversion of true decentralization, which... Maybe some people watching this is like, 
a little bit of a, a mind blow. Um, first off, agree or disagree with what he said? Oh man, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't really know. Um, because in some sense, I'm like, okay, to me, a blockchain is the people. It's not. Mm. It's the, the code is replicable ad infinitum, so it doesn't matter. So that that aspect doesn't matter as much, but it's the coordination of the people around that. And so if you did have this one dictator who betrayed things or whatever, you quick, like the community could just be like, it could fork again, and then you could have like dictator coin and, you know, the old community <laughs> coin or whatever. Um, so there's, there's that aspect of it. Uh, is the, the way in which I criticize Bitcoin core as being uh, centralized, it's more in this, uh, in, in the attitude of the common. I see that way more when I see that as an average of the interactions I have with Bitcoin core people and, and then the degree to which they're absolute maxis and they're mm -hmm. like every, and the, the degree to which they hate crypto more than fiat, that kind of stuff. That's what Crazy. worries me. That tells me a lot more. Yeah about a coin's centralization than a detail like that that's so, not something i talk about yeah i'll definitely agree so i'll definitely agree and sorry for hitting like the more s speed round type uh oh, let's do it yeah <laughs> type um elements on the big governance thing but we got to the baseline which i think i'll, I'll agree with which in a decentralized system where people can choose which ones they use and especially in one where anyone, it's open source. Anyone can fork the Bitcoin code and just make a different one. And the same works for pretty much every single crypto or every true crypto, right? Mm -hmm. um, in in the way that the community has the ultimate say, kind of like when Steam, and, Steam became like centralized under Justin Sun and everyone just made Hive and ran off there. Again, that's the ultimate deciding factor. And so mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's what makes things crypto. If it's not that, it's not crypto. Now, beyond that though, um, a lot, the ability to make decisions other than the binary of like, let's all literally dump the entire project. There mm -hmm. is quite a lot of um, centralizing elements to that. And so with the, the Bitcoin situation, with Bitcoin and the other Bitcoin-like cryptocurrencies in terms of governance, that mm -hmm. it just, whatever implementation is being implemented is the one that, you know, works. And I think that because it's just so, yeah, anyone can do GitHub, anyone can do this. You can have multiple implementations of the node. It's fine. And like miners can decide to implement whatever. Because it's so free like that, it gives the illusion of more decentralization than the reality ends up being. It's mm -hmm. kind of, it's tragedy in my personal opinion. And I guess Justin as well. It's like tragedy of the commons at that point where because there's just so little control over it. It's so relatively easy for someone to come in and colonize and just like now. So now Bitcoin core, like no, all the other uh, implementations started to die out because everything Bitcoin core did is what got into the final code. And then there's a repository with a lead maintainer. And what that person says at the end of the day goes. So now it's, the development mm -hmm. of it, of course, the ecosystem can choose like, no, nah, we don't want to do that. But then you still have to like go with another implementation. It's still kind of centralizing. So it's, mm -hmm. it's a it's a very like covert, soft dictatorship kind of with the ultimate ability to just dump it and move on to something else if you need to. So I would call that yeah. um, I would call Bitcoin in that case, Bitcoin's governance semi centralized in that way. I wouldn't say. Oh, I, know, I agree. That's definitely. Semi. Is that that's to me, that's not the line that says, like, I'm now going to call this centralized, but it definitely goes in the category of this makes it more centralized, <laughs> you know, in, my, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, hitting on to the next thing in this lightning round. So um, in this big, long tweet thread, whatever, um, one of the things that Justin's recently started to complain about has been Ethereum. Ethereum basically mm -hmm. not learning from Bitcoin's mistakes. And he says, Ethereum is now going down the same bad path as BTC by pivoting away from L1 scaling in favor of L2. He says, in part due to misaligned developer incentives, he says, and the rejection of on-chain governance. And then some other stuff. Mm -hmm. But, but mm -hmm. his big thing is he does not like that Ethereum, again, it's just like, well, you know, the developers will do whatever and the community implements this, this like wishy-washy softness that basically allows one group to just in in practice become almost dictatorial like for example the big thing that he's complained about is you know projects like 
Tezos and Nier and stuff like that have done, you know, uh, enshrined roll-ups and uh, mm. L1 sharding and stuff like that, like better layer one scaling things and not just pushed everything to L2. Um, execution sharding was on Ethereum's roadmap, but they got kind of quietly removed not too long ago. <laughs> and who made that decision? And why was no one else informed when everyone said for years sharding? Like, there's clearly someone's calling the shots when they're not supposed to, according to people's conceptions, calling the mm-hmm. shots. It's the same situation as Bitcoin where you got a T... Anyone can develop, but let's be honest, one group is doing most of the development or, or their stuff is being implemented into the core protocol and their governance structure is not at all is intentional in that way. It's So it's a de facto oligarchy dictatorship kind of thing. And again, you can move to a different chain. You can fork the chain at any point. You can you know do whatever. But it's the same kind of like a semi-centralized thing. That's what it seems like. What do you think? But okay, so here's the thing. There's and this gets into another realm. I haven't really gotten to the, like gotten to the nitty gritty of myself, so I don't know the answers or where I would fall on it. But it implicit promises and contracts versus explicit promises and contracts. And uh, I get situations and circumstances where you can have both. To me, the ideal, and if you want to be like uh, secure as best you can, you make sure you get involved with explicit contracts. And in Bitcoin and in Ethereum, there is no explicit contract that mm-hmm. governance is going to happen this way, that this is going to be the way things go, that we're going to vote or we're going to use this mechanism to determine how decisions get made. And so as the individual, when you participate with those things, and here's the, here's the biggest, here's the one that matters most is what kills me about crypto, that this isn't at the heart and core of it. Is it voluntary or not? That's mm-hmm. step one. That's the first most important moral question. After that, we can start getting into other details. And to my understanding, Bitcoin and Ethereum are voluntary. So, if, you know, then the con- you play with that if you want to, you know, and find, find better options if you can. I don't know of a chain that has uh, an explicit, like, here's the contract, you know, here's the conditions by which, you know, we're going to do X, Y, Z, and blah, blah, blah. And these contracts might as well don't have to be legally enforcing. They can be socially enforced in that if the contract is broken or you don't like it or we don't come to some kind of, of resolution, the expectation is that you fork, is that now we go our separate ways. To yeah. me, that would be like the ideal kind of crypto governance solution. Um, I, I'm going to build something like that eventually, but not in the near term, <laughs> you know, because I don't. I, it, it, I thought about that in 2014. No one's done it yet. No one's going to do it. So I just, I'll have to do it. Yeah. yeah. So one other thing I should point out, right? Um, maybe I'll hit that for the last slide. So, and by the way, we're coming up on four. So just let me know, like, and just, you can say it on air, I'm sure too. When, mm-hmm. um, when you got to like take off, like down to the oh, minute, sure. we'll, we'll, we'll get it nice and nice and tight. But, um, Bonds also said, all cryptocurrencies start centralized. The dilemma lies in transitioning governance from centralized to decentralized. Dictators are needed, but with scale, they must be overthrown. On-chain governance is the answer. Even if it does not work without scale, it does set precedent. So, that's a lot of um, strong statements, but also like nuance in the way they're worded. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that thing? I'm not sure. I'd, I'd like to know more about why he believes that it has. You have to have a dictatorship to begin with. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't. That's not evident to me that that has to be the case, especially at this point with all the things out there. You well, can have guess, mechanisms where I guess yeah. the idea. So at the the root, Satoshi was very clearly. I would say I would say I don't know if the dictator is the right term, but the centralizing force behind Bitcoin, meaning Satoshi or whoever that was, or the multiple people that might have been, mm-hmm. published the code, did most of the early mining, and basically whatever Satoshi said just happened. And it's in a very practical kind of a sense, even though structurally Bitcoin is released in a relatively decentralized way. And then over time, of course, Satoshi left. You, you know, you take that off. There's always a power vacuum. Other people scramble to get in there, but it's usually not like a clear air. And so, especially because the clear air, Gavin Andreessen didn't end up yeah. having the pull long term or got ousted or whatever. So mm-hmm. things kind of went out from there. And you could say like, 
you know, Vitalik, whatever Vitalik said basically went on Ethereum for a long time. Maybe even today. You might even be able to say that today. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not as familiar with Ethereum's governance setup to know mm-hmm. if that, that's actually true. But basically, it's like that. And then every project, it's just really hard to start from absolutely zero with absolute decentralization. Yeah, to, you know? to me, the problem here is that we don't have a word for voluntary, a, a, a voluntary leader or a voluntary mm-hmm. authority. There's nothing wrong with authority. As anarchists, we like, 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 like be put on the opposite side of authority, but there's nothing wrong with legitimate authority. It's, is it voluntary? Is the, is the relationship voluntary or not? That's what matters. My, the dentist has the authority. I'm paying them to be an authority on what I should do about my teeth. You know, that's the, the relationship. So to me, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto was, he was a legitimate voluntary authority. He spoke, people listened, he did things, people followed. That is not a dictator. We don't have a word for that. We don't have that mm-hmm. concept in society. So when something Leader. similar to that shows up, we we wedge in the, the term we know, which is dictator. One person has all the power. It's a different kind of power. There's a power if you own people or you, you claim the right to use violence against them. And then there's the power of your you're persuasive and you negotiate and you're just really good at what you're doing you know yeah, the cult, so people the want to listen to one. you that's, no it's not cult leader yeah, it's no, like it's, funny oh yeah. but, but uh, yeah, it's so like, like yeah. kind of like for example litecoin and charlie lee charlie lee for the very very longest time has not held anything that you could call real power over litecoin to my knowledge uh mm-hmm. but to you know in practice power he still holds a lot although it's less all the time since he's kind of doing other things and he dumped his stash and all that kind of stuff. But like in the very beginning, like for most of the time, it's just because he was the guy who made Litecoin and he was the guy who made Litecoin happen on Coinbase. And he was the guy who a bunch of different things in practice, what Charlie said kind of went, but Mm -hmm. not because he actually was seated at the, at the top of this this thing, yeah, it's just that it, he happened to be the influential leader, and so well, he yeah. and he had the respect and authority, Vol, voluntary, legitimate, totally fine. If there's nothing wrong with authority or or power in this way, where it's just you're really good at what you do, so people listen to you. You you go yeah. to a dojo to get trained, and they you're, you know there's well, I don't know what it is yeah okay, <laughs> and so when I don't know what how, how do you refer to like the boss dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, uh, sensei, sensei is in okay. Japanese arts, sabunim for Korean, and then uh, they just they tend to translate it to uh, coach or professor for like jujitsu. Professor is kind of a bastardization of Brazilian yeah, Portuguese for anyway. I don't know. Awesome. So voluntary authority. He's not some power wielder, you know. <laughs> and and you you want to hear what he has to say because he's going to make you better at what you do. I want a Charlie Lee to help me with Litecoin because he's going to make it better. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this other thing that uh, Justin said, he says, credit where credit is due. Out of the top 50 cryptocurrencies by market cap, 12 have implemented on-chain governance. He said, I mean, I don't even know most of these going to really care, but DOT, Atom, Uni, Ton, ICP, Lido, APT, Algo, FTM, Aave, and EOS. And maybe Tezos is just like outside of the top. I don't care, give a crap about market cap rankings. Anyway. What did he say, top 50? May of this year mid-may so yeah it doesn't matter but the point is uh you just mentioned top 50 because you can't really you know jump on everything so many coins but that's the thing is he mentions like on-chain governance as like a a super important thing and here's where i've kind of reached where i'm kind of like i'm trying to learn more of course i'm I'm not at the point Mm -hmm. where i think i know it and i don't think i hope i never get to right i really think i know everything but uh so in terms of like this founder kind of thing and like it's been very clear that whatever Vitalik and the Ethereum core developers or whatever have said has been what happens despite the community wanting things like, you know, allegedly over time. Again, I haven't been super deep into it, wanting execution sharding and stuff like that. It seems like what they say goes. Same thing with the, with Bitcoin. The entire reason there's altcoins as they're called altcoins is because um a lot of people were unable to do what they wanted in Bitcoin, which which is not necessarily governance failure. Can't do everything, right? But mm-hmm. there's very clearly a, a rift, the block size wars and all that kind of stuff. It was a very clear thing that happened because 
one group controlled what happened in Bitcoin and a lot of people did not like what that was. And that group, Bitcoin core developers, probably heavily influenced by Blockstream. Again, depends on everyone has their own little like take on like how conspiratorial I want to get on that. But it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty clear that there was some kind of forcing stuff towards L2s as opposed to on-chain scaling from whatever. And so my other and then every other project has been too small to really care what happens when the, the founder like leaves. The founder leaves mm -hmm. and dies kind of in a lot of ways, right? Now, my data point that I is like the longest running official DAO dash, my, da my data point is Evan Duffield started it. He ran it from 2014 to 2017 as like the figurehead, but he implemented uh, like on-chain voting in or in 2015, I believe. One and of the so, longest first standing yeah. first DAOs in crypto. And so and put govern. He's never. He's always like a head in the clouds kind of guy. He never was like a strong leader. Uh, and so he just put out governance proposal once in a while, and everyone voted. At 2017, mm -hmm. his like uh, finance director guy for the very small dash core team, which mm -hmm. um, ended up succeeding him. Some rumors say, oh, maybe he was sort of forced out behind the scenes. I don't know. It's hard to tell. But anyway, this guy, you could say Ryan Taylor was the figurehead of Dash from 2017 to 2022. Mm -hmm. And at the end of 2020, in middle of 2022, like a little over a year ago, uh, the community was dissatisfied and basically held a vote to fire him basically mm -hmm. and he got fired he got he left and now mm -hmm. there's no successor uh sam westrich quantum explorer is the the main developer he's kind of viewed as a figurehead but much more of a loose figurehead but anyway so mm -hmm. it's clear to see that the governance system works in that the figureheads have been there as long as they have but at some point if you know the figurehead can get be deposed by the network in a, in a real practical way where that guy was there calling the shots and he left mm -hmm. when the, there was a vote that says you got to leave and in since then the culture has radically changed again because i'm pretty deep in the dash community so that's my yeah. my showing of the governance thing on there now on the other side of things i'm going to pull in so i know that governance does work in that way right and mm -hmm. but now let me hit another data point which i'm it's kind of interesting uh oops let me switch the slide the tweet this is from emergent reasons high emergent reasons uh, talking about the the bitcoin cash upgrade to to um cash tokens he says the upgrade is supported by many full nodes bchd bch bitcoin cash node bch unlimited that's three so far bitcoin verde knuth node and soon to be flowy these are all different teams now the re just like how uh, Justin Bonds was showing in the other one how the development teams around Bitcoin started to kind of like the core, the, the implementation started to kind of kind of skinny yeah. out till it's all Bitcoin core, basically. And mm -hmm. Bitcoin Cash was uh, ABC, adjustable block cap or whatever the whatever that meant. Bitcoin ABC was basically the one that ran stuff, even though there's other other kind of teams around it that did other mm -hmm. things too. But then that ended up, they ended up getting kicked out of <laughs> Bitcoin Cash and starting eCash, right? So mm -hmm. now it's a collection of nodes that, of node implementations that allegedly, again, I'm not super close into the ecosystem, but they allegedly work together on like protocol level changes. And mm -hmm. then they all decide to implement stuff. And it's like a, a very well decentralized governance system. Now, where this becomes a like for example the contrast with the dash system the dash system is very explicit as in you have mm -hmm. stakeholders who vote and that is in theory that decides thing in practice that absolutely has decided things as well and that's one way of doing things now mm -hmm. here's the other the question that i now have which i don't have my own answer to yet is can you take something like bitcoin cash where all centralizing forces just end up getting run out of the community over time until you until you end up with a system that's not doesn't have any explicit governance at all but through practical reasons you end up having a decentralized enough collection of power things that it, it does end up working out or and this remains to be seen will bitcoin cash 
over time, will the major node implementations start to kind of drop off because they're superfluous, and then you end up back with a one centralized kind of thing? What do you think? Because I don't have my own answer to this yet. Yeah. Okay, so how do you... Whew. If I, and I do want to achieve that, I want to see blockchains have that option and capacity. And it hits on a lot of stuff. So I'm going to try to go as fast as I can. Um, we is, we don't know how to voluntarily govern ourselves and organize. All right. We're like people, like, you know, the, uh, the Shawshank Redemption. The man gets out of prison and he has to ask permission to go to the bathroom when he's working at the, you remember that scene where Morgan yeah. Freeman got, can I go to the restroom, boss? That's, we grew up in state world. And we don't know how to self-govern and organize outside of these uh, involuntary structures. So I'm curious to see, to me, crypto is an experiment, an opportunity, and an inevitability to explore those things. So I know I don't have all the answers, but I know first that it's, you know, it's got to be voluntary. After that, okay, now what I want is I want explicit agreements. I want it written down. Here's the value. And I mean like really detailed stuff. I want like moral mm -hmm. agreements. We're not going to tol tolerate theft. We don't tolerate this. We don't tolerate that. Blah, blah, blah. Here's the moral explanations. Why? Yada, yada, yada. We can do that. We could have voluntary societies on blockchains, you know, in this way. So that's the, the path I would go down to help supplement those, team, th those things. I would probably take something like even if I were Bitcoin Cash, because I don't know that I want to implement it on chain yet, or maybe, maybe they can. They've got smart contracts now. Maybe they can. If they can and it's feasible, mm -hmm. that's great. Um, it also matters about how much their transaction costs are, because you want to be able to for people to transact signals back and forth of agreement, disagreement, communications, things like that. But I don't know that you don't you want to be paying as high of a transaction fee for that. It should cost more to move my really important value and property as opposed to signing a document or just saying, I want this or I want that. I hate this. I love that. You know, those kinds of things should be much, much cheaper. So to me, I would take something like Tezos, which is proof of stake, runs mm -hmm. very it can do all these cool, amazing technological things. I would fork that and run a private chain for my self-governance. And then, and now on chain, if I'm Bitcoin Cash, I take here's the contract we've agreed to, and in that contract we state that we're using, you know, this other chain as our our negotiation, our our, our governance layer, our our mm -hmm. our governance. I don't know what you would call it, community, our community structure, virtual community, whatever you want to call it, you know, mm -hmm. virtual voluntary community. Great, and then that could be now you can have that contract on chain. And they can be like understood, like if you're participating with this chain, you've implicitly agreed to this contract, you know, and this is yeah. how things would be arbitrated, settled, blah, 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 blah. And then you have your now you have this other structure and that can be the experimental proving grounds to figure out what kind of governance works, mm -hmm. what kind of voluntary governance works and produces the best results. Well, one thing's yeah. for sure in the free market that we're in, the radical free market of crypto. Um, mm -hmm it's clear that the ultimate governance thing that always works is where do users and investors go? Like if Ethereum and Ethereum Classic split, where do the people end up? If, you mm -hmm. know, the, like which node implement, which companies decide to stick with which chain, like that kind of stuff, that's all like the eventual mm -hmm. deciding factor. And so at a very, the, that's already good. Now the problem in my, in my opinion from, witnessing this is I mm -hmm. think that with the Bitcoin hard fork, the Bitcoin to Bitcoin cash thing, the, the block size wars is I think that the majority, maybe not a huge majority, but still the majority of the ecosystem wanted to scale on chain, but because it was, it was hard to quantify that. Um, mm -hmm. And most people chose to stick with BTC to see what happens rather than go go with whatever else yep we had a problem that i think that even if here's my so my thing is like people uh, ex, like skeptical about da explicit DAOs and stuff like that i think mm -hmm. at a minimum there should be a good way of of verifiable community polling whether it is mm -hmm. coin holder polling like a purely symbolic DAO vote like a, mm -hmm. or whether it's a, a minor, like a minor signaling, but miners don't really govern as much as people thought they would. But but, but my point is, mm -hmm. at that point, let, let's just say that 
what happens if the the votes explicitly so you know what the network wants what the community wants yep if the votes come down 68 percent want bigger blocks mm-hmm. and then if the core team doesn't implement that at that point they are showing to be and and everyone follows that at least now there's no illusions about who who runs the show at least now it's mm-hmm. an explicit dictatorship where mm-hmm. otherwise like well, right now they're kind of Op- operate in this like well but the community and look see which the price chart so therefore no no you know, this, this I, I wouldn't call that explicit dictatorship because i don't want to be trapped by the stupid decisions of mass people if they're wrong because mm-hmm. democracy is bad really really bad voluntary yeah. democracy would be would be better but democracy in and of itself is still a horrible situation so i, I would have it like, like look here's the deal if we disagree if the vote, if, 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 if let's say I am a passionate core person and I know, like I'm a super engineer mm-hmm. and I know that small blocks are the way to do it. If the vote comes in for big blocks and be like, okay, cool. What, to me, the value of that is a peaceful separation and a much yeah, more, and, and, and we understand why we're separating. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm out. My 38% of the, of the people that agree with me, we're going to go do our thing. Now I'm still going to compete with you to call mm-hmm. this Bitcoin, but that becomes a whole nother matter. That's that's a market competition for you guys to figure out who gets to keep the yeah, name Bitcoin, you know? Um, but yeah, that's the value to me. It, 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 but And so like if uh, Bitcoin before that had have had some kind of mechanism for this, I think they would have things would have gone much better. And retrospectively, historically, we could look back and there wouldn't be as argument or as misunderstanding about where what people agreed wanted to because it's still a debate today about like how did things like how did that fork happen how did things break down there and yeah yeah. and i think that having a little more explicit knowledge of which ecosystem actors favored which thing specifically Mm -hmm. like explicitly i should say as explicitly not like because from my memory the uh there was alternative Bitcoin clients that were big block clients that were sig- the miners signaled to support and it got in the 52 to 56% kind of like it mm-hmm. peaked out of there like to where it's like majority seemed to favor big blocks, but specifically signaling for the big block implementation separate from Bitcoin core, which is two different questions, right? It's not mm-hmm. just bigger blocks. It's bigger blocks and this other implementation. Whereas mm-hmm. the rest, as far as I know, were not signaling for smaller blocks. They just weren't signaling. So they were like yeah. status quo. So it wasn't explicit enough. And that's just miners. That's not even coin holders. That's not, I mean, and of obviously the, the UASF thingy, the user mm-hmm. activated software type deal was a node signaling thing. But nodes, in a they're not Sybil resistant in Bitcoin. Meaning anyone can spin up a million nodes. And so, oh, all the nodes are saying that they're going to fork, soft fork off if you increase the block size. Like, well, that could be like literally just block stream. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yep. And so that's where it gets weird. So I would say at least what we need for governance for any system is a little more explicit poll. Absolutely. And that I, might I, be yeah. a good place yeah. to wrap it up if you have to, to take off. I know it's 20 minutes past past four. I know I'm yeah. I'm cooking in this this oven of a room right now. Same here, north. man. We're supposed to be New Hampshire's supposed to be cold. The frozen right? north of ninety degrees yeah. and high humidity. Jesus. Ooh. Anyway, so chill o'clock. It's chill o'clock right now. What do you want to? Yes. Show? Ooh, what do I want to show? Well, I'm working with Stephen Molyneux, Freedom Man Radio. Check out the stuff. Go to freedomman.com. We're still making philosophy and getting stuff done. We got uh, the truth about pirates coming out soon. And uh, mm-hmm. the truth about the wild, wild west. Some really awesome presentations helping out that stuff. And mm-hmm. I just found out today. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that we're sharing that yet. But I have a really cool project I'm working on. We just got done. Well, not just a couple. We got uh, a Steph bot AI up and running that is hmm. trained on Steph's work. And uh, donors can get access to that. And we also have. Uh, I've been doing a lot of stuff on AI. We did the truth about AI part one, part two, mm-hmm. dude, that's been awesome. And that's part of why I'm not pursuing building this reputation network thing on my own. 
because the stuff I'm learning with AI is getting AI to help with the code building of mm -hmm. things that like you can get auto GPT AI agents that help write programs and build code for you. Cause if you're going to train, yeah, if you're going to train AIs, you need to like, you have your data set and you have to format the data set and do it text editing and all that cool stuff. And so you want scripts to do that for you, mm -hmm. all this cool stuff. So, and also if you're going to fork projects and that kind of stuff, you're going to want that technology behind you as well. Absolutely. So AI has been cool. Uh, for all the, the doom and gloom mm -hmm. and things like that, it's, I've never been more convinced that it's just, it's no, you know, it's like, it's like any other tool, you know, this the, the people... first week in a very long yeah. time, I've had to completely from scratch, make my own thumbnail for this podcast because I, uh, the, the temporary payment card that I used for oh. that one time expired and I, yep. I couldn't figure get it set up back again before I started the show. So I had to, I had to go into GIMP and make my own thumbnail this time. I, so oh my, my brother, get in touch with me. I yeah. can tell you how to run stable diffusion locally and mm -hmm. it's getting pretty good. I think uh, the version two or like a new better version should be out by the end of the month. They said it's supposedly way better, but the one that's out there is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Happy to help you uh, set that up so that you can, you can do that locally if you want. All right. Well, I'll probably hit you up on that. Uh, nice. Thanks everyone for watching. This has been a fun show. A lot of like, I think maybe it's probably better <laughs> for the fact that it was constrained a little bit in time because otherwise it'd be two hours or more of. Oh God, I think we, we, I think we, I think we yeah, I think we kept things tighter because of this. But it's a fascinating thing. Um, let me you know, you know, comment if you're watching this after the fact, whatever. Let me know. In the no, comments I'm curious if, to hear feedback. Yeah. What you think about specifically the governance thing? Because. This is one of the most important things in crypto and one of the things where people think so many different opinions and there's a lot of like, I, I know a lot about this compared to a lot of people, but I also yes. don't have nearly enough conclusions of what I really believe is best based on this. I'm still very yeah. much in the learning phase of this. So let me know what you guys think. Please hit the subscribe, subscribe button on your way out, get those pump up those numbers uh, and Make sure to follow Jared at J84Woodard at, tw at Twitter, right? Well said, my friend. That's perfect. Yeah. Okay. And go to Freedom Mary Radio if you want to do check out the Holy Moly. Holy Molly. <laughs> and, and you get some, get some philosophy. We talked about the, the benefits of, of virtue yes. and pursuing these things. <laughs> and I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye, guys. <laughs>